everyone. Good to see you. Hi, AJ. It's your birthday, and it's his birthday. Oh, neat. Okay, uh, junior church, four years old through fourth grade. You can stand up and then sit down. Uh, stand up, and you can meet them up front here. Four years old through fourth grade. I like to throw a little wrench in that, don't I? So, um, many people have been telling me that um, we just have a good church here. And, and I like hearing that. I like talking to people who think that. And I was sitting back in the actual back row this, this morning and I was singing, and then I just had to stop and listen. We don't have a good church. We have a great church. I am, <laughs> I am so... Dustin says it every single week. I'm so glad to be a part of this. Oh my goodness, I am. I just, you guys are really, it kind of hit me today, and I'm just so pleased to be here with that. Uh, so before I kind of get a little choked up, let's go to preaching, because I can do that one. So, so far this year, we've been looking at the, the foundation of our faith, which is Jesus, and then in his life story that he lived here on earth, we come to the calling of the disciples. And we've looked at most of the disciples to, so far. Today, we're going to come to the most well-known, which is Peter. We know more about the life of Peter than any other disciple, which means we can track his faith journey. We can see how he went in the beginning part of his story life all the way towards the end. That is what discipleship is, just so you know. It is the journey of our faith from brand new believer to committed follower until we go into the gates of heaven. It's a journey. Peter is one of these key disciples. He's part of the inner circle, the, the tight-knit group that was around Jesus. Uh, some people call him Saint Peter, but this would have to mean a saint who flip-flops in his commitments. Because he goes back and forth on a lot of things. One moment he's climbing out of the boat and walking on water. The other he is sinking very quickly and scared and in and, and panic. One moment he is saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The next moment he is being told by Jesus, get behind me, Satan. One moment he's faithfully declaring, even if everyone else falls away, I will stay by you even till death. The next he is denying Jesus in front of countless or many people. He's flip-flopping. But that's Peter. He is a disciple on a journey. I used to think that I was a lot like Peter and and you know, he's headstrong, he's loud, he's boisterous, he sticks his foot in his mouth quite often. Until a counselor told me that I'm a little more arrogant than Peter, so he associated me to a different one. But Peter has always just grabbed my attention. We're going to look at three passages of, of Scripture today to see how this journey of Peter unfolds. And what that can mean for us as well. So far we keep looking at all these disciples and they've been so far away. They're removed from us by centuries. And yet we still see that through the living word of God, it's very applicable. Their journey, their struggles, their triumphs and victories all can be found within us as well. So let's look at, at Peter. Uh, Luke chapter 22. Simon, Simon. 
Now, Simon, that's his original name of Peter, just so you know. I don't want to confuse you. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I, and this is Jesus talking, I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you, even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. This one is always one of those puzzling ones. Jesus says, you're going to deny me, and Peter pretty much calls him a liar. That's not going to happen. You're wrong. It's easy to idolize people, right? We, we see them on TV screens or movies or in the sports and all that. I just think back a few years to Tiger Woods. He was the top pinnacle of golf. Everybody loved Tiger Woods. And then what's happened to him in the last few years? Well, we see the real person come out and the shine of the idolization comes off. He's an ordinary guy who makes bad choices at times. Sometimes we can do the same with the disciples. We see them as some sort of spiritual superstars, but at the heart of it, they are just basic human people. These are men with faults. And Peter is one who Jesus just said, Satan is wanting to sift you like wheat. Peter was completely sure he would never betray, never deny Jesus. Go to verse 33. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you, even to die with you. In Matthew 26, same account, but he declares, even if everyone deserts you, I will never desert you. In Mark's account of this, no, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And the others vowed the same. There was no way Peter is going to let Jesus down. There's no way he's going to betray him. He is going to prove Jesus wrong in this moment. But unfortunately, Peter hasn't recognized the bigger picture here. We want to stand for Jesus. We want to be firm. Many of us want to believe that we will never deny him or let him down. But Jesus isn't the only one in this story here. There is another one working one who is very determined, one who is wanting to see all of us fail. Oh, Simon. Simon, Satan has asked to sift you. Satan makes a question, and, and Jesus knows this and makes it known to Peter. Satan prods and pushes and frustrates. Satan encourages us to make these big claims that we can't back up. Satan is after our soul. There is a cosmic battle, in, and Jesus is opening up the veil so that Peter can see this. And in this, in this cosmic battle, we are standing in the middle. And we get caught. One moment we can be so confident. It seems that nothing will able to knock us down or knock the wind out of our sails. And then, down we go. Our spiritual strength is sapped and confidence smashes. And it happens so many times to, so, to all of us. I, I get into all kinds of conversations with different people. I really like talking. I mean, obviously, right? 
This is the best way to have talking. You guys all listen. But uh, there is one conversation that happens very readily, mainly with those in ministry, but also with a number of Christians as well. From my time in college, even to this year, a particular conversation always gets brought up. It happens when a minister quits the church or is fired because of moral unfaithfulness. This conversation happens, and the Christians who are engaged in this conversation always say something very similar. They say things like this, that would never happen to me. I would never betray God that way. I could never turn my back on my faith. I've heard so many people said that. I have heard those statements out of my own mouth. When a friend of mine, a minister I worked with, left the faith, I said him. When he left his family and joined a homosexual lifestyle, I said it. I have said it when ministers leave his, their families. I have said it when Christians, not just ministers, walk away from truth. And I know many of you have said the same statements as well. And, and we need to understand something here when it comes to Peter and also our own lives. Peter is sifted by Satan. He is sifted. Sifted is to separate, to divide out. That's the first blank. If, there we go. To divide. When Satan sifts, a lot of damage can be done. Satan was sifting the disciples, and Satan still is in the business of sifting. In the middle of it all, we need to remember the words of Jesus. He told Simon this. He told Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Peter is not alone in this challenge. He's not alone in facing this. Peter had all the resources he needed to meet this challenge. The road of denial was only one of two options. Jesus was not deliberately setting Peter up. God never sets us up for failure. We need to understand this. He never sets you up for failure. 1 Corinthians 10.13, remember these. The temptations in your life are no different than what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. No temptation, even denying Jesus, is more than we can withstand for Jesus, for God will always give us a way out of that so we can endure. We do not have to choose to fail the temptations that come our way. God gives us an alternative, and the problem is, just like Peter, so many times, we don't see it. God opens a door of escape, a, a path of safety, and all we need to do is listen to God, follow His guidance. God does not tempt us. God leads. He provides. He protects God will show us a way out of sin, but He doesn't sit there and say, let's see if I can get you to sin today. That's Satan's job of sifting. Think about it this way. Early in the evening, perhaps 7 or 8 p.m., Peter was adamant about his commitment to the Lord. Less than 10 hours later, it's different. Verse 54 of Luke 22 
So they arrested him, meaning Jesus, and led him to the high priest's home. Peter followed at a distance. Now, all the others fled, but Peter followed. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I am not, Peter exclaimed or retorted. About an hour later, notice this isn't just real quick secession. This is a long term going on. Someone else insisted, you must be one of them, because he is Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. He was angry about it. He was definitely trying to distance himself from Jesus. And immediately, that word right there is scary. Immediately after saying that, while he was still speaking, man, I don't know what you're talking. And there's the rooster. The rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter, which means they were in eyesight. Here he is, denying the one that he can see. At that moment, the Lord looked turned and looked at Peter, suddenly the words flashed through Peter's mind, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Peter left defeated. He fell into the sifting trap. Peter was bold, he was definitive, he was ready. A few hours later, he was shameful, lying, and betrayed. Despite prayers, despite the promise to stand by Jesus' side, despite the encouragement of Jesus, Peter fails here. Why, why does that happen? It happens because we don't effectively use the spiritual equipment Jesus gave us to stand firm. This whole summer at our VBS, that's one of the things we are learning about is the, the spiritual armor. And the whole time I was thinking about it, I was like, how many times in Scripture do our people in the Scripture, those spiritual saints, fail to put on that armor? We fail because of lack of prayer. We fail because sin, uh, we sin because of lack of motivation. We are tempted because of lack of watchfulness. It is not God's fault for making life too hard. It is our fault and not trusting that he will also bring us through. Because what Psalms 23 say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil, for you are with me. That means he's going to be with me through it. And too many times, just like Peter, as soon as that shadow gets on us, as soon as we're in that dark pit place, we forget God is ready to lead us and be with us. And then the rooster crows. How do you think Peter was feeling at that moment? He looks at Jesus. Can you imagine that eye contact? I think it had to have been awkward. After the resurrection, Peter and the others go fishing. They're waiting to see when Jesus would next appear. 
when they see him, they're in the boat, they're fishing, and, and Jesus calls out to them, and Peter jumps out of the boat, swims ashore, and finds that Jesus made them breakfast. This is the morning I want to find. I want to go fishing and then find Jesus on the shore with a campfire breakfast. Look what it says in John 21. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Well, yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. Well, that's a weird statement. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. Isn't that different? I'll deny you. No, no, I won't. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know but what kind of death he would, um, by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. This is a drastic change. Not in Jesus. In Peter. It's the same guy. He's still an ordinary man, but we see an ordinary man who is now sustained by Jesus. He was sifted by Satan, but now he's being sustained by Jesus. Go back to that courtyard for a moment. Peter's just denied Jesus three times, and at that moment, Jesus turns and looks at him. What do you think that look on his face would be, on Jesus' face? Can you imagine? He's sitting there, he's been beaten, he's been mocked, and he looks, and it wasn't, I told you so. Was that the look you think of? Was it that, I'm disappointed in you, Peter. You failure. I don't think it was anything like that. I think it had to be a look that said, remember, I prayed for you that you won't fail, that your faith will not fail. And through that look, Jesus is reminding his disciples, you have failed me, but I will never fail you. You have denied me, but I will not deny you. And as a result of this look, Peter leaves. But here's the cool thing. He doesn't stay left. He comes back to Jesus, who sustains him. As a result of that look, Peter is able to get through the shame of his failures. When we realize we've been sifted by Satan, sometimes we don't want to go back to Jesus because of that guilt and shame. But that's the only place we can go to be sustained so we can come out of that shadow. In John 21, we read about the seven of the disciples who are fishing. They caught nothing at all that night. A man on the shore tells them to cast their nets on the other side in the boat. And the result is this miraculous catch. Suddenly realization hits, this is Jesus. And Peter is so excited, he swims fully clothed to shore. He's not ashamed to stand before his Savior. He's not ashamed to look like a fool at this moment. He wants to be associated with Jesus. 
He's not ashamed to stand there. Peter saw the gaze of the Lord, the gaze that said, I will not fail you. And imagine that first time coming to see Jesus after you just denied him three times openly in front of everybody. Peter has lost a little bit of credibility, even amongst the other disciples at this point. And Jesus asked him three times, uh, Simon, do you love me? The really cool thing here is the word that he uses. Jesus says, do you agape me? And agape is divine love, self-sacrificial love. And, and Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I phileo, which is brotherly love. He doubts himself. But why is he asking these things? Why does Jesus ask Peter? Remember, how many disciples were in that boat when, Jesus, when Peter jumped out? There were seven total. Where are they? Only one swam to shore to come see him. Remember, not so long ago, Peter had declared quite adamantly, even if all fall away on, your, fall away on, you, on account of you, I never will, then de deny him. Is Jesus trying to rub some salt in the wound? Do you love me with greater love and commitment than even these guys like you said you would? Do you see yourself uh, as being more faithful than the rest, Peter? Instead, just follow me. Instead, just love me. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The human heart is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? We have been told for generations, trust your heart. How many of you, and I know I'm dating myself, remember the Care Bears? Yeah. You know, they were all about just love and trust your heart from a weird little teddy bear that shot laser beams out of its belly. And what does Scripture say? Yes, some of the kids are like, what? Look it up. It's weird. Yeah. So, don't trust your heart. That's what Scripture says. Don't trust your heart, because your heart will lead you the wrong way. It's desperately wicked. Well, I'm a good guy. I'm a nice guy. Well, that's what Peter thought. And he denied Jesus. And when you really read it, the Greek part of it, he cussed that last time, saying, I don't know, blankety-blankety-blank, that guy. He used foul language in that. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Desperately wicked. Peter knows he can't understand his own heart. He knows in his human heart he's going to fail at agape love. He can't understand how at the beginning of the evening he was so sure by the end of the night he was so afraid. I don't think Peter can understand where the recipe for failure came from. He turns to the only thing which is secure, and that is the knowledge of Christ. And this is where each of us needs to go to when we have been sifted by Satan. Jesus will always offer himself to us. They get there, they come to shore, and Jesus is offering a meal. But then he offers even more of himself to Peter. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know how bitterly I wept as that rooster crowed, as those words were flying in my head. You know how I curled up in that fetal position and wept because I failed you. 
Jesus, you know I love you. And yet I still failed you. And just as Jesus knew that about Peter, Jesus knows that about you and me. The Lord knows our failures, our frailties. He sees the times when good intentions become the mist. God knows how much you love Him and how you want to serve Him and how you wish you could do better. He's also observed the times when you cried when you realized in the process of disciplining your child your love went too far. He appreciates the disappointment you have when you sin. That sin you've been struggling with for so long takes hold of you again and, and pulls, you, pulls you away from God. Jesus shares in the heartache when life just seems to go wrong. And God knows all these things. Jesus knows this. That's why he went to the cross. He offers himself, not just for us, but to us. On the very day that Peter denied the Lord, Jesus went to the cross. Silent in the face of accusations, enduring humiliation, letting himself be condemned by Roman courts, carrying the cross to death, enduring the nails, surrendering, surrendering to the wrath of God, anger so intense that being poured out on the only one who never deserved it, Je Jesus died for the betrayal, the denials of Peter that night. And he did it for Peter and for us. He knows what we are like. Jesus knows we will be sifted. Jesus knows that we need to be sustained by him. He does this because he has a bigger plan in mind. And let's see, we saw Peter bold and excited and ready to go, and then we see him failing and coming back in repentance and uh, humbleness to Jesus. Now let's see the next part of his journey in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John are brought before the religious leaders because they're preaching and teaching and they, they heal a uh, lame man. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's my favorite part of this. Not filled with himself when he's saying, I'll never deny you, but filled with the Holy Spirit. He said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel. Remember, hey, he just denied to all people. But yet here he's saying, let me clearly state to you, all of you, to all the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ of the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referring to all the scriptures where it says the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no spirit, uh, special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Peter's not denying here, is he? 
There is no hint of denying Jesus. He's going to state it clearly, emphatically, boldly, and powerfully. And he's just an ordinary man. That's what they just saw. He's direct. He may have failed before. He may have denied before, but now he's standing on the truth. Now he's standing on the cornerstone of his faith. He is standing on the name of Jesus. And we need to understand, we may be weak. We may be ignorant and unstable and failing in so many things. And we can still have real, uh, we can still be real and sincere. We may not feel justified. We may not feel sanctified. But it's still Jesus. There may be even a sense that where grace seems too far from us. When we understand who we are, sifted by Satan, and yet sustained by the Savior, we need to understand that when He asks us, Do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. That's what Peter did. If Jesus came to you, and if he said, do you love me? And I'm not talking about the Jesus loves me, for this I know, talking. I'm talking, do you adopt a self-sacrificing, leaving it all behind, so that you can do anything and everything that he says? Oh, that's a hard and high calling. But that's what he's saying, do you love me? Peter, do you love me because I died for you? Peter, do you love me? Because if you do, and notice he said, go feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Go be a shepherd. What is Jesus? He's the great shepherd. He's the one who comes and saves the flock, and now he's saying, go be me to them. This is an ordinary man. He's not trained. How many people here went to specialized schooling to learn Scripture so you could be a better believer in Christ? Three of us. Wow, you sinners. So three of us have no excuse. <laughs> that means the rest of you are so much more like Peter than I am. Unordinary, just an ordinary person called by God to go out and take the message to the people. Feed them the gospel. Share with them the gospel. That's what Peter did. That's what each one of us is supposed to do. No longer does Peter allow the thoughts and reactions of others to rule his commitment to God. Notice that he was there by the fire just trying to mingle in with the people. You know Jesus? No. Now he's standing in front of them. I know Jesus. You killed him, but he's bigger than all that. Now the Lord is his only focus. In Acts 4, Peter's standing before Ananias and Caiaphas, two men responsible who are part of that ruling council who helped vote and crucify Jesus. Was he afraid? Is Peter afraid? Is he silent? Go to verse 18. So the ruling leaders, they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Okay, we can't punish you. Just stop talking about Jesus. 
But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. This is not the same Peter on that denial night, is it? He's saying, I don't care what you do. I will not stop. Command me. Force me. Pull out my tongue. I don't care. I'm going to keep talking about Jesus. And that's what all of us need to be. We, we, we so much fall into the travel. I've denied him here, so I can't do any more. But yet we forget that Peter didn't stay there. He came and he was sustained by Jesus. And because of that, he leads from being sustained by Jesus to now fully serving Jesus. He is fully on board to serving Jesus. According to uh, church records, he'll do it for another three decades. And according to church tradition, he is um, Peter is crucified upside down. Because he didn't want to have anything associated to the great glory of how Jesus died. He was sifted and failed. But then he came, repented, and was sustained by Jesus. And when he was sustained, he went into fully serving Jesus. That's the progression of events. Not just for Peter, but for all the disciples. Because when he said, Lord, I'll never deny you, it said... And the others said the same thing. They weren't even willing to go to the courtyard to deny him. They denied him by even not even following Jesus. It's the progression of events, which is what Jesus talks about. And God wants us to be on that path after we've been sifted to becoming sustained and serving. And here's something we need to understand. God always, and I'm saying this word on purpose, God always brings faithfulness out of failure when we allow Him to guide us. When I have held on to my failure, I did not get to go to the faithfulness. But when I let go of the failure and follow Him, He brings out this greatness and He changes that failure. So here's some questions I want, want all of us to ask ourselves. Have you ever fallen in sin? Have you ever denied Jesus? Yeah. If you haven't, you must not be living. Or you're a, a perfect little infant. So, have we also seen God's grace raised to newness of life, whether it's in us or others? Have you seen that? Yes. Then you're just like Peter. You've denied Him. You've seen His miraculous, sustaining power, His grace and His love, which means you are on a disciple journey. And really, wouldn't that be so neat to have Peter walk in and say, I see me and you. I see you and her. And in all of it, I see Jesus. We are the ones who come and tell from our own experiences what an evil and bitter thing sin is. We are the ones who should be cautioning against 
enticing that temptation. We should be the ones who warn against the pride of self-belief. We are the ones who need to say, I am of Jesus, and you know what? No matter what you do, I cannot stop talking about him. You go out to eat today. You know what you should do? Tip the waiter or waitress very generously, first of all, and ask them what you can pray for. Let them know that you serve a Jesus who cares about them. You go to the grocery store. Do not go down the aisle on the wrong side, because that's just irritating. And then share grace with the other people around you. There are so many ways we can start sharing and serving Christ in this community. We are the ones who can tell of Christ's grace and compassion. The best way you can do that is not by just quoting Scripture, but by telling what you know of Jesus. This is, this is how He saved me. This is how He changed my life. And here's the Scriptures that back it up. They always need to have Scriptures, not just feelings, because the heart is deceptive. But go back to truth. Then we are the ones who can deal humbly and meekly with those who are fallen around us, remembering that we ourselves had also fallen. Why did God bring Peter through such an ordeal? Why does God allow such testing to occur? In some cases, we never get the answer. I don't know why God allows that thing. He doesn't cause it, but he allows it. But the answers are not even the most important thing. The most important thing is what are we going to do through it? What are we going to do as a result of it now? And if you've ever gone through a time of very hard testing and sifting, and you felt like you failed... I hope you hear the message through Peter today. You are not the denier. You are not the sin. Um, well, you are a sinner, but you are not the sin. You are the one that he died on the cross for. And all you need to do is come back to him. Will you allow your failure to lead you and kill off your faith, or will you accept that God can work in and through that failure and take an ordinary man like Peter and have him preaching to thousands? And he can still do the same in you. If you are a believer in Christ, I want to tell you something. You are a disciple. That's what God has called you. As disciples called by the Lord, we can be confident even in the times of sifting, because my God sustains us. Greater is He than the guy who's in this world. God can sustain us. We don't have to fall into those temptations. We can have confidence that God will use this time, this sifting, to bring us closer to Himself and to help bring others into Him. Whether we fail and need to be upheld by God's grace or we allow the grace of the Lord to help us succeed, it doesn't matter. We need to stand and be ready to be called upon to serve. If you have failed in the sifting, I want you to hear me right now. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay sitting in that sin, sitting in that sifting of failure. You can come back to Jesus. And if you need that, I want you to know I'll meet with you. I'll do it right now. We'll just pray over you and make you come to the front seat of God's grace and love where you can see and feel His compassion on you and know the truth that He sets you free. But you have to take that step just like Peter did. He's jumping out of the boat. 
if you want to know how I can serve Jesus more, I've sifted him, but I want to be more and more than once you come up as well. Where we can stand together on the firm foundation, that cornerstone, and say it is my Jesus who I live for. It is my Jesus who I'll speak about. And it is my Jesus that I will go to into eternity. If you need to make that, won't you come? We're going to stand and let's pray. God, we praise you. Praise you that you take people like Peter. That after being sifted, that you don't leave them in there. That if they reach out their hands, just like Peter did in the water, you immediately grab them and bring them into safety and security. Help us, God, to remember that. Help us to be more and more of your disciples. Forgive us, God, when we do fail. I thank you that your love covers a multitude of all those and you still choose to love us. You amaze me. God, I do ask right now that on this church, this family of disciples, that you would stir within us even more. That you would stir within us this need and this, this desire to go and boldly tell your name. Help us to be the church that you've called us to be, that we can see in so many of the disciples. Help us to truly live fully for you. We thank you for your son. In his name we pray. Amen.